God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I almost didn't make it today. I uh, forgot to shut a door, and here I am. In any case, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Well, it looks like moderate GOP senators, they don't have any moderates on the Democrat side, do they? Moderate GOP senators Romney Murkowski pledged to vote in support of the uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson's SCOTUS confirmation. Pretty sad when you think about it. I guess you could throw in Collins too, right? Let's see. Let's see if we read that right. GOP Senators Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski on Monday said they would support Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson's confirmation to the Supreme Court, which means three Republicans... Yeah, now I guess that's going to be include Collins. It doesn't say that here, but let's uh, see if I can peel this. Modern GOP Senators Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski on Monday said they would support KBJ confirmation. Romney and Murkowski joined Susan Collins in support in supporting Jackson's confirmation to the high court. And I think that the um, deadlock was getting it out of the committee. So once they get it out of the committee, all they need is one vote to swap, to switch, because it's dead even. You know, they're going with the nuclear option, which is fair enough, because we, the conservatives did that uh, with the nuclear option. Nuclear option being that it's only 51 votes. If it's 50-50 tied, the vice president gets to make a decision. The vice president in this case is Kamala Harris. She's listed as the vice president, but she doesn't act like one. And not only that, she just lost her 12th staff member because they don't like her. She's mean. Almost, you know, a lot of these Democrats are mean. You know, they fight a lot. They take themselves too seriously. It's a lot of problems. It's absolutely a lot of problems. So, um... 
You know, one of the moves that's being made over in the Ukraine uh, that uh, is getting not enough attention is the ruble is attaching itself to the gold standard. We're going to talk about that today. And, uh, and then also Elon Musk. I think the other big news story today is Elon Musk. Talk about a no-brainer. Talk about an easy-peasy way to make a ton of money. How would you have liked to have made a half a billion dollars last night? A half a billion. Not too shabby, right? You know, they always say if you spend a million dollars and your stock goes up, you've, you know, 10%, you've just made, you know, 10% on a million. But if your stock goes up 10% and you've invested $3 million, well, okay, now you've made three times the amount, right? So Elon Musk, which we actually mentioned this yesterday, that he bought this $3 billion worth of stock and shares in Twitter, which makes him the largest stakeholder in Twitter. Now think about that, how easy it is to make that money. He, not one, not two, but $3 billion. And as soon as he touched it, it was guaranteed to go up. And it went up 30%, the stock. Upwards of 30%. So whoever was invested in Twitter got 30%. Now, that being said, I wouldn't have thought that Twitter was a good buy. And the reason why I would think that is because of the censorship and the anti-Americanism that's going on there. Uh, It's just not a healthy market. It's not a healthy place to be. They censor everything. They skew their rules toward a political persuasion. And, you know, and, and they've gotten involved in politics in the worst way. You know, I I really think that they're a political arm of the Democrat Party, and the Democrats don't want to touch it. Of course not. They're benefiting from it. And then you got this investment now in Truth Social. I have four accounts, and all of them still are on a waiting list. Every one of them. And they missed their deadline after deadline. Devin Nunes apparently is not doing the job uh, over there. Getter is very cliquish, meaning that they are aligned with a political faction within the right wing. And so they're aligned with that. And they're throwing favor over one one area. And unless you kiss their ring, you're not going to get really a lot of love from Getter. And you have to toe their line and do their thing. And it seems to be that also Getter's politics are... are uh, and I, I'm on Getter, and I like Getter. It's the closest thing to Twitter, really. I still don't understand why they reverse the like and the retweet. You know, Twitter, basically it's a like and a retweet button. And then on Getter, they switched it. So uh, on Twitter, the retweet is on the left. It left in the, the two buttons in the center, it's on the left. And then the like is on the right. And Getter switched those. I don't know why they wouldn't have just kept it kind of standard and made it left-right the same as Twitter. It would have, you know, given Twitter users a natural feel. 
But that that's just a minor little misstep there, in my opinion. But uh, they choose to do it their way, and it's their product, and they could do whatever they want. And and but you know the thing is they've had their technical difficulties. I came out and I was complaining about the JD Vance thing and Marjorie Taylor Greene. All of a sudden, Scott Adams show on Getter couldn't post. Got all kinds of errors. It could have been a technical glitch. Could have been a coincidence. I don't know. But you know the people like Steve Cortez and Steve Bannon and Marjorie Taylor Greene are, you know, very good friends with the the top brass over at Getter and they get a lot of love and if you don't have a lot of that you don't get the same amount of love you don't get the same amount of fanfare and, and PR and things like that so it's they pick and choose their own horses as well but if you've invested in Parlor or Getter or MeWe or Truth Social or all of these gab, you know, all these different platforms. And then Elon Musk waltzes in and changes Twitter back to a more centrist free speech, brings real Donald Trump back. Now the question would be, if they were to reactivate real Donald Trump, would real Donald Trump embrace Twitter like he did before? And and that would bring everybody back to Twitter and it would pretty much put Getter, Parler, MeWe, and Gab out of business. And Elon Musk controls those strings right now. And it's controlled by whether or not he brings real Donald Trump back to life. Which I think is fascinating. Because if he did that, Everybody would come back to Twitter, and especially all those people that lost their accounts. They got their accounts suspended. And he brought them all back to life and set a new standard and said, here are the new rules. This is the new playing field on censorship. This is the new set standard. Everybody gets a second chance. And everybody comes back to Twitter. And starts using Twitter. And Twitter's stock goes up another 50%. Overnight, on $3 billion investment, it's not just the 30% that you made with for doing nothing. I mean, so far, all Elon Musk has done is, would you like an edit button? And he, on purpose, misspelled the word yes, Y-S-E. And you watch, one of these days... He's going to re-edit that poll, poll question, and it's going to say yes. And the answer is yes. He's going to edit that question. It'll be interesting to see what, what uh, happens. Of course, everybody wanted the edit button. I could, you know, I think it's a good idea to have the edit button. And you want to be accurate about what you mean and say especially if they're going to be so critical as to censor you on every little issue. So not a bad thing to do. But you can guarantee if you're in that power seat like Elon Musk, the easiest thing to do is make money. And he made a half a billion overnight just because the stock went up 30%. And it was because of the love he showed him. So he controls the love. 
and he controls the money and he gets the return on investment, it's as easy as punch. It's a guaranteed win. To improve on the product of Twitter based on ideology and censorship and opening up your brand to two markets instead of one is a no-brainer. And it's sort of like the election. You know, we're seeing all kinds of, you know, the Gateway Pundit, God bless them, they're still on this this mission. You know, they're still on the mission of hunting down all the election fraud and, and exposing every little bit of election fraud. And that's great. That's great that they're doing that. And I hope that state legislatures across the country right the wrongs and look at other states and say, we don't want that to happen here and set rules. Even, even if you're in a state that didn't have the fraud, but you have the machine that can commit the fraud and you say, okay, well you can commit that fraud over in Pennsylvania, but you know, maybe there wasn't any need in Arkansas or somewhere else, but it's just a matter of time. Like I say, you watch Missouri. Missouri is going to be a state in 2022 and in 2024 where you're going to see a a radical change. You know, Claire McCaskill was a radical lefty. She won a statewide seat. She was a senator. And in that state, you know, that state is not safe. And they had that COVID surge. They had that spike. And I believe that spike was related to them busing and planing, you know, flying and and tra- and transporting all of these illegal migrants to that state, perhaps refugees as well, like in Wisconsin. They almost ran out of voters to commit that fraud. So naturally, you screw up Afghanistan, you get all your refugees and you put them in Wisconsin like they did. And that's how they're going to answer the the problem with Wisconsin, because they had a what about a hundred? They had a hundred and five percent turnout rate in certain counties. How can you have that? That obviously that's fraud. You know anything beyond seventy percent turnout rate is a little ridiculous. It's it's a little much. Seven, especially when you ask all these youth, did you vote? I didn't vote. You hear these interviews on the street, and it's no no real difference. These people aren't voting. When you go man on the street and you interview people after people, I didn't vote. It's like, okay, that's normal. You know, that's the way it was. So how did you get 105% turnout rate in your district or in your county or in your region? How'd you get the 105% if you go man on the street and you just do a basic internal sampler and people are voting normal? You know, I, I voted. I didn't vote. And so when you see these interviews, people, you hear just as much I didn't vote as you heard from the before. Yet they had a 105% turnout rate in Michigan and Wisconsin. And now they have enough people they're going to have enough registrations to to uh, get the numbers they want, but without looking so fishy. So, you know, um, I guess uh, Zelensky met up with 
Tom Cruise had time to do that. He's going to be speaking about Putin's war crimes in Ukraine. And, you know, Elon Musk weighed in on Ukraine as well. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing, his his perspective on things. You know, he's from Africa, but, uh, wow. You know, if he brings back Donald Trump and if he brings back Twitter, he's going to make a truckload of money is all I can tell you. And that's a huge no-brainer. $3 billion turns into $5 billion overnight. You just made $2 billion bucks and you didn't even lift a shovel. Wow. That is amazing. And it would be nice if he would do the right thing as well. And I think he is. You know, from what I understand, he moved Tesla from California to Texas. And that, to me, is interesting. I think that's interesting. You know, because it's not the money so much. Although he is paying, he was paying out the nose in California. I really think it's the principle for him. And he looks at Joe Biden as like such a such a stupid moron, right? Like, wow, I can't believe this guy is the most powerful guy in the world. And he's just, I think, rubs him the wrong way. You know, it's just one of these things. He thinks differently. I think he has a touch of Asperger's and, you know, I think he's just a highly, um, his brain works in a high level and he writes wrongs and he does things a lot differently than say Jeff Bezos does or, or Mark Zuckerberg. These are, these are swine creatures with no moral fabric or no high ground or no principles just fundamentals, business fundamentals, and greed. But Elon Musk is different. He's he's principle-oriented. And I think it's just a no-brainer. You know, he's teased a lot in the last few weeks, and we didn't know that he was going to spend $3 billion on these things. We didn't know that. But now we do. And I think it's a big deal. I think that uh, the whole Twitter thing is a big deal for what it could mean to the election. If he truly wants to put his money where his mouth is. Now, like Tucker Carlson said last night when he was talking about Elon Musk, he said there's going to be a target on Elon Musk's back. You know, we saw Kanye West could do no wrong until he put the red hat on, right? And then all of a sudden, Kanye West was enemy number one. These homosexualities, these LBGDQ and uh, trans and all this, that, and the other, ain't no problem for them there, you know. They get rewarded. They It's almost like a shield. You know, when these people come out on the Oscars or the Grammys or whatever it is, and they say, I just want to make an announcement that I want to come out and I'm a gay person and I'm a, you know, I, I do these things in bed. Um, at some point, you know, that's okay, great. God bless you. You're doing that in bed. That That's wonderful. Just keep keep it. Keep me out of it. I don't need to hear it. I don't really care what you do behind closed doors. Just don't talk to my kids about it, okay? Don't say gay to my kids if you're a teacher and they go up to the third grade. Just don't do that. So the mayor in New York, you know, of course, is, is basically saying he's going to run 
billboards in California, in uh, Florida, in Florida. And he's going to say, well, you could say gay here in, in New York. We're the bastion of homosexuality. We're proud of it. But he's misleading people because the, the, the thing of the don't say gay in Florida is campaign is, is all about just teaching your children about gender, gender uh, confusion, gender identity. No, they should be learning math, reading, math, reading and math and sciences. That's what you should learn. You know, just just keep it simple. Learn the basics. There'll be time enough. There'll be time enough to learn about gender and sex and the birds and the bees and all these other things, just like we've done for the last couple of centuries. As children get older, they learn how to become a teenager and a prepubescent and a pub- reach puberty and grow up to be an adult. Come on. Why mess with it? Of course, it's in a political agenda to attack Christianity. It's a political agenda to replace Christ- God with government is what it is. And it's a political agenda to lock up voter blocks, even though their numbers are so small. But that's what it is. But in any case, this whole thing about don't say gay is another issue. You know, and Disney should be ashamed of themselves. And already there's rumblings. Disney shareholders are worried that they're going to lose money on their investment in Disney. So you have that. So there's a lot of different issues that are now intertwining because the war in Ukraine is a globalist war. It's it's a war of ideologies. It's a war between globalism and nationalism. It's a a cultural war. It's it's how we live our lives. And it's happened this way because culture has integrated itself into politics in such a enmeshed way. It's like the fabric of society. And, you know, I don't know if it was because it was ahead of the curve or what, but I remember saying this back in, in uh, I mean, I was complaining about media bias in politics since George Herbert Walker Bush. When Clinton was running in 92, I was counting the letters to the editor, and I didn't quite understand it at the time. But it was like 91, and I said, there's 10 letters to the editor in the New York Times. And eight of them were pro-Clinton. And two of them were politically neutral. Not one of them supported Herbert Walker Bush. I said that, you know, I used to get the Sunday New York Times when I lived in New York City. And I just thought, wow, this is so skewed. And then Bernie Gold, Goldberg um, came out with a book, Media Bias. He wrote the book I would love to have written. And uh, I remember thinking about it back then and thinking how, you know, and I remember when I was in college in the 80s and my professors told me I could, well, I could, I could get my reading from the Christian Science Monitor, I could get it from the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, but, you know, stay clear of the new paper called the USA Today and stay clear, you know, at the time and stay clear of of a lot of other things. And I had to basically get my, write my reports, 
because I studied politics, um, I had to write my reports based on that bias, that bias source. And at the time, we didn't, we, you know, we, we were just, we just thought that Woodward and Bernstein were heroes of journalism. We didn't realize that they were wackadoodles that were, had a political ideology, a political bent. And now this whole censorship thing is just really flipped things up on its side. It's fascism. It's you're not no not allowed to talk about certain things, especially issues like trans rights and things like that. And this this whole thing about taking the high road, you know, how courageous and how brave. Yeah, there was maybe a day when you would come out and say you were gay and it was bold and courageous to to normal maybe make it a little bit more normal. And say, okay, I'm Ellen DeGenerate or whoever, and say I'm gay. But the Oscars was a fiasco. It was check the box. It was the check the box Oscars. Of course, the Will Smith blows me away, right? But you know, when you have the you a 15 year uh, look back at Juno, and Ellen Page is pregnant in the movie, and then all of a sudden she comes out and she's now a man a dude, of course, she's still a she. The chromosomes don't change. You can, you can do all the general mutilization that you want. But again, this is, this is not just, it's more than this. Just like Elon Musk buying Twitter is more than just a stock buy. It's, a philosoph- it's going to be a game changer if he wants to do this. It can be a game changer, and it can actually flip the next election upside down on its head. And you know, it also uh, didn't go unnoticed by me that I was thinking, wow, how great. How great would it be that if real Donald Trump would come back? A political candidate with a lot of muscle. And how great would it be for him to come back on Twitter? What would that do to Twitter? Well, of course, their stock would go way up. That's number one. Number two, the truth would start coming out because he was the truth bomb teller. And the truth would come out in a bigger way. Right now, we're fractured. We, we're, we're competing on a political stage with broken arms and broken legs. And the reason why is because all these different splintered and fractured and uh, 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 platforms aren't really connecting with each other. And this adoption, and, and people aren't organized. People don't know where everybody's going. We kind of have this assumption, you know, okay, people are going together, people are going to from YouTube to Rumble, and, and everything sort of has, you know, its problems. There's no perfect utopia, because we've, for 10 years, you know, Twitter and Facebook had a head start. And people understood how these things work. And, you know, and it was a great thing because people were leaving CNN and MSNBC for Greener Pastures, which was Twitter. And I happen to know, I uh, did a little bit of a study back when um, President Trump was a candidate Trump. And then when he uh, was president, and there would be these um, flash polls, like who won the debate, Hillary or Trump, or you know. And so there would be these 
these uh, flash polls. And all these organizations, you know, would come up and they would run a poll. Who won the debate last night or tonight? And it would it would go up so quickly that Twitter didn't know who was going to post the poll. And if it was a really popular site or Twitter feed, uh, it would get sometimes, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of votes. Which is better than anything CNN and MSNBC was putting out. Their samples would be more like, you know, out of 500 people. You know, these Twitter uh, samples would be out of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, these polls. And so, and, and a lot of them were neutral, meaning that they were known and loved by both sides of the aisle. It wasn't like if Trump were to put out a poll, who won the debate, that would be a skewed number. And he had like 70, 80 million, as does Elon Musk, 70, 80 million um, followers. But when you put these polls out, they're large numbers. They're organic. They're fresh. They're just basically the pulse of the people. And the pulse of the people is really a reflection of how the people are going to vote, how they're thinking, how they feel. And so what what got me was there was one debate against Twi- uh, Hillary where Twi- I don't think Trump really won. Now, if you were to ask me, because that's the way politics is, I would say, yeah, I think Trump uh, held his own. You know, I wouldn't give an inch, you know, on that because it's all about uh, momentum. And you want your guy to win because, you know, if you were to truly ask me who's a better person, of course, Donald Trump is a better person than Hillary Clinton. But the the issue was that. And so... I would look at these polls and I would see it and it would be even when a liberal would run the poll, who won the debate, or ABC News would run a poll and their numbers were smaller, but still, they had a skew. And Trump was winning these polls, these flash polls. These were polls that were free from algorithms because Twitter didn't know when these polls were going to go up and they would just be so organic and that's what told me that on Twitter, 70% of the people on Twitter were conservative. And Twitter was a reflection of, I think, the most accurate poll. Why is it that 70% of Twitter was conservative? Why? Because that's where America was. See, that was a reflection of America. Just like the Oscars a couple of weeks ago was a reflection of society. The wokeness, the the criminality of it, the obnoxiousness, the, the classlessness. It was classless. It was obnoxious. It was violating laws, principles, code of conduct, ethics. It was a fiasco. That was the Oscars. 2022 and their numbers reflect it's nobody even wants to tune in anymore nobody's inspired nobody looks up to any of these people they're just a whole bunch of people that don't know anything it's this multiculturalism on steroids check the box make the quota affirmative action whatever it is but the oscars isn't glamorous anymore and so I'm sorry, but it's just, you know, a joke. It's become a joke.
And Twitter now has too. Twitter is way, way, way liberal now. But there, along the time, before they were censoring everything, it, it was overwhelmed. So all these people, the America was leaving CNN, MSNBC, who were getting crushed by Fox News. And again, that goes back to the 90s. Fox News, you know, with Roger Ailes, made a really great business decision and said 50% of America is not being, is not getting the news that fits their uh, ideology fits their principle. Fifty percent of America. So ABC, PBS, NBC, CBS, you know, MSNBC, CNN, all were liberal. And so the conservatives had to take it. The the uh, the liberals loved it, and there it was, media influence. But then Fox came along, and everybody left. All the conservatives said, I like this better. They're telling me things. They're giving me news stories I think I need to see and hear. They're telling me things that corroborate my own personal beliefs. I'm buying into it. And so there was the only gift, the only gig in town for conservative voices was Fox News. That or AM radio, Rush Limbaugh and uh, Hannity. And, and a few others. But the point is, is that it was a no business, no-brainer business decision. It was 50% of the entire country went to Fox. And so when Fox said, we outperformed MSNBC and CNN combined, well, that's easy. Because they're splitting the other 50% of the country by seven different news outlets. ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, PBS, all sharing the same pie, which is 50% of America. And Fox News is just hoarding in the other 50%. So when you do the math, it's uh, however many, let's just say it's, um, you know, divide 50% five ways, you're getting 5% each. So you add up CNN and MSNBC, that's 10%, right? So 10% versus Fox News is 50%. And you see how they outperform, right? It was a no-brainer, easy business decision. And it was there for the taking. Anybody could have done it. But Fox News did it in the 90s. And then 9-11 happened, and here we are. They're a powerful news organization, God bless them. But they're changing. You know, they got uh, trans, uh, they got Caitlin, Bruce Jenner, Mr. Wheaties, the decathlon winner from the 1972 or 76 Olympics. A man's man. Now a woman? I don't know. May always be a man to me. Always be Bruce Jenner to me, but. In any case, the point is, yeah, they've kind of sold out to the center a little bit and maybe crossed over to the left. They're trying to get that market share. They're doing business decisions and they're doing everything not based on principles but and rights and wrongs, but they're doing it on bottom line and shareholders and fiduciary duties and things like that. But here's the thing. So that's a no-brainer. And... After a while, everybody left and went to social media. And that's why P- 
people were just sick and tired of even Fox News. And they were getting crushed. And Twitter and Facebook were dominated by conservative voices. They were finally being heard. They had a seat at the table. It was like a community on steroids where they could say their mind, speak their truth. And it wasn't just controlled by the corporate media anymore. The Black Rocks were emerging, right? The vanguards were emerging and controlling. China influence was controlling and seeping into our media, our corporate media, with all of their money. Uh, but they didn't just stop with China. It, it was Russia. It was Iran. It was all these green initiatives pushing green down our throats so that they could sell their oil. Because the greener we became, the more oil we would buy abroad. Trump understood this and made us energy independent overnight. Solve that problem like that. Boom. And he made everything easy, Trump did, when he was president. Foreign policy was easy. These uh, tyrants, these big leaders like Xi and Putin and even Kim from North Korea, you know, they stopped messing around with the United States. And the United States was leading the European Union and NATO again. Stoltenberg was kissing the ring of Trump. He's the guy from NATO. Angela Merkel, there's that photograph of her looking up at uh, Trump. And Trump just looked back and said, pay your rent. You're late. You're, you're truant. You're a deadbeat. Pay your 2% of your GDP toward NATO. And pay your back rent. You didn't pay it for the last 20 years. You're not going to get away with that either. Germany. How do you like me now? And so it was great. It was great stuff. And he held everybody accountable. And he held them accountable to who? Who did he hold? Who did he? To the people. That's right. That's right. He held them accountable to the people that they're supposed to serve. Let's not forget, at the end of the day, these people are supposed to serve the people that elected them. That's called democracy, right? We keep hearing this word about democracy in Ukraine. Ukraine's furthest thing from democracy. It's a rogue puppet nation. It's famous for its laundering. And I'm not talking about clean clothes. I'm talking about money. And I'm talking about corruption. And there's, you know, a lot going on there. Chuck Grassley's on it. Chuck Grassley has uh, part two where he talks about, in 2015, Hunter Biden being connected with Burisma. And then before we get, uh, we're going to play this clip. But then also what we have is we have uh, the ruble, the Russian ruble going to the gold standard. What a smart move by Vladimir Putin. He's using this crisis and he's using this war against globalism. And the fact that they're censored means we can't even know what they're doing. And he's playing that in a way that I think he outfoxed the Biden, the Biden team. And now they're pushing for he's got to be a war criminal. And, you know, at this point, Putin doesn't care whether they try to make him a war criminal because, you know, if I'm in a fight with you and you're my adversary 
and you put together your little panel, you know, this is the trouble with not bringing Russia, like Trump wanted to bring Russia into the G7 and make it a G8. Trump wanted to bring Russia into the G20 and make them part, make them accountable, have them play by the rules, adopt the rules, sign on the dotted line. There would be benefits to them and benefits to the, and there would probably be peace as 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 a, as a relates to that but because they were t- too busy trying to fleece Ukraine and use it for all it's worth they had to make Putin evil and when John McCain who his wife um, uh, came out and said John McCain was right yesterday about Putin no she, she, he was still wrong the fact is, when you spit, throw salt in the eye and spit in the face of a guy like Vladimir Putin for the last 20 years, all because you want to make him your, your uh, despot, you want to make him your opponent so that you can get away with doing all your dirty deeds in Ukraine and dirty deeds in the Middle East against Syria, you have to make Russia your enemy. And so they would go out of their way now, that wasn't always the case, right? When Hillary Clinton wanted to hit the reset button, it was Kumbaya China, I mean Russia. And she sold 20% of our uranium to Russia. And then all of a sudden that changed and the dynamics changed. And there was oil to be had out of Iraq going through Syria. So we had to make Russia an enemy because Russia is joined at the hip with Syria. And then we wanted to use Ukraine as a puppet nation because they were destabilized. And we installed some leadership in there. You could listen to Victoria Nuland talking about nation building in Ukraine. And, of course, then, because Putin would object, make Putin the villain. Putin's bad. And all the corruption we do in Ukraine or in Syria or in Turkey or in Iraq, it's good, right? And that they're just, you know, victims of Russia. Russia is evil, is what they would say. But they only did that because they knew that Russia was going to object to the moves that they were making on the black market in Ukraine and in Syria, through Iraq, and other competing interests too. It's not just limited to that. There's more. So... Let's take a listen to Chuck Grassley. This is a long clip. I'm going to truncate it a little bit. And before we do, here's a call I don't recognize. Uh, let's just see if we could take this caller. Hey, Scott? Yes. Hey, caller. Hey, yeah. Uh, hi. Yes, uh, my name's Lance. I'm calling from Austin, Texas. Yeah. I was yeah. going to talk about... Hi, yeah, sorry. Um, I was I was going to say something about... Uh, what we're being advertised about this guy Putin, you know, I, I hate having personal feelings about somebody that I really don't know anything about personally. So I don't right. like to take my opinion towards that emotional level. But if we want to talk about what could be like considered, I think a, what I think a country like Russia, whose big export is their oil, what they may be able to look at it as a security threat would be our constant Western pushing of green energy. Whether that raises our fuel consumption from other countries or not is not necessarily what I think is the key is that if Russia's major export is that oil and therefore our power needs become less and less dependent on oil. And in fact, we're going around the world pushing other countries to 
remove their petroleum needs, then Russia sees their little bank account of that petroleum pipeline drying up. For, for one, is an attack. But also, as far as Ukraine calling for NATO expansion or to join NATO and to get nuclear arms uh, to rearm their country, well, they're the middleman between Russian oil and Europe. So if Russia sees Ukraine as, say, terrorist nation threatening their pipeline, then they have to increase their security measures. It will cost them more money to pipe their oil out of their country. All of these are an economic threat to Russia, in my opinion. That's right. Uh, that's exactly what we've been saying, really, over the last few weeks. Like, for example, Imran Khan, people don't even understand that he's the uh, leader of Pakistan. People don't understand that there was a coup against him, and it was waged by the United States to ouster him. And the EU was basically telling him, Imran Khan, they were telling Imran Khan, that leader of Pakistan, to not buy their oil from Russia. And basically, Imran Khan said, we're getting our oil. We're not your puppet. We're not your slave. We're buying our oil from Russia, and you could take it or leave it. And so and they did. And they did, and, and, and they're, one of, they're one of Russia's customers. But the point is, is that then they overthrew Imran Khan. And now he's got he's to snap back, and he's going to do 90 days. In 90 days, there's going to be a snap election, and he's more than likely going to win. And so... It was a failed coup attempt against Pakistan to punish them for not cooperating with the West. Again, this war is not about anything more than a new world order alliance, new two alliances sh taking shape. And it's going to be against uh, globalism, against uh, this new alliance. And they're force feeding this alliance to happen. Meaning that Biden understands that Russia is going to make these choices that they're going to make. What, which is going to be a close alliance with China and Iran. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And it's, it was all preventable. So we know Absolutely. that it, it, it didn't have to happen. They wanted it to happen. And, and it goes to that, that whole green new energy, new banking system. I, got to, I, I tie the green new deal to the, uh, the, the great reset of the banking system. Those are... One in the same. Yeah, and you know what else? Um, the same thing's been done. You know, a lot of these playbooks, there there are different plays, but they're the same play in different categories. Like China is is investing heavily, and you know the country of Qatar is one of the biggest investors in universities to um, change the way they teach our children in college, and so. Like Harvard and a lot of these Ivy League schools were heavily invested by China. The Biden uh, Center at Penn was heavily invested upon by China. Uh, but China is heavily invested in Harvard. And we saw that that's where, you know, there was a lot of biologists that were meddling in that business. Bioweapons. And, and when we talk about intellectual property theft, it's not like espionage where somebody's stealing papers. It's buying your way into universities and learning from the best institutions our country has to offer and then taking those uh, that knowledge out of our country and injecting it into China. And that's how selling you get it back to us, selling it back to us at an inflated price. Absolutely. And and because they, and not only that they they can um, take those that knowledge 
They could use their slave labor markets to produce it cheaper and control the markets. Like the battery technology, for example. They got all the technology to harness it, but then they also have the slave labor camps, like with the Uyghurs and, and whatnot. Uh, they have those that, that going on as well so that they can not only um, invent the, reinvent the patents, but then they can produce it in a way that's cheaper. And it's the production aspect of it that allows them to control the markets. So when these green initiatives come up, come to play and they say push electric cars, well, they produce 80, 90 percent of the batteries that are going to be used in those electric vehicles, number one. And number two, Russia is going to also benefit because during the transition to electric, uh, you know, basically uh, we're going to be energy dependent, uh, energy dependent. And that's going to benefit Russia. I'd be losing. Uh, I'm here. I can hear you. Oh, look, sorry. I went down a dip. I saw my screen go away. Well, hey, man, this has been great. Uh, I, I think if we're going to, you know, say we don't want foreign interference in our elections, I think we need to keep our nose out of everybody else's business as well. If I lose you, it's been great talking yeah. to you, Scott. I'll keep listening. Thank All you, right. Sir. Thank you. Yeah, and we need to keep corporate greed out as well. Corporate greed. This corporate greed because um, it used to be different uh corporate greed was one thing but uh and that was be you could say well that's capitalism but now it's gotten to be very sophisticated to where you got uh outside influences you got these outside influences that are controlled by countries that are basically controlling public policy and impacting public policy and that's a problem um chuck grassley chuck grassley's um Take. Um, I think this is going to move too slow. That's that's my only reservation here. And um, I wanted to I wanted to play it, and I'm going to play a little bit of it, but I, I think it is too slow because I wanted to talk about the the ruble and gold real quick. At that time, Hunter Biden served on the board of Burisma and was paid ten tens of thousands of dollars each month. Its owner was a corrupt Russian-aligned Ukrainian oligarch. But that's not all that Hunter Biden was up to. Of course it's not. Yeah, we're that's going to move too slow. We don't have enough time for that yet. Um, but uh, we can cover that tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Um, but I, I did want to cover this. Uh, the press corps was asking about pardons, James Biden and Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden now being the hunted, uh, $30,000 in Malibu for the Secret Service to protect Hunter Biden, 30000 a month just in the rental space out there because he's staying in such a luxury place. Um, but it goes beyond that as well. And, um, and so... So, yeah, in any case, um, we're they're looking into a lot more of that, and that uh, I, you know, and they have a lot of lot of lot of dirt on Hunter Biden related to that. We're probably going to be doing a series on Hunter Biden once it escalates and percolates a little bit. But will he get a pardon? Hmm, that'd be interesting. I want to read this uh, multi-threaded tweet that I posted out. It's uh, by great. Great Game India. It's a cool publication, actually. Gold-backed ruble is the new paradigm shift for global economy. 
The Bank of Russia has tied the ruble to gold and established a base rate to the ruble in regards of the U.S. dollar by proposing to purchase gold from Russia banks at a predetermined fee of $5,000, 5,000 rubles per gram. Russia oil can now be used in the same way if Russia starts demanding ruble payments for oil exports, there will be an instant indirect linkage to gold because of the fixed price ruble gold relationship. Then Russia might start taking gold as compensation for its oil exports outright. In fact, this principle may be extended to any commodity, not simply oil and gas, whilst the it's still too premature to predict how the U.S. dollar will fare during this period. It will emerge weaker and less dominant than before, especially as our economy starts to collapse in freefall and the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. Um, it's a terrible, terrible dynamic. Uh, and when you take a look at like our GDP and things like that, we're still not back to pre-pandemic numbers. We're still not fully back. So, you know, when Biden tells you jobs are coming back, the economy's No, that's just people getting back to work after we've been shut down for way longer than we should have been. And even, you know, the mayor of New York is starting to remask kids. Fauci's start starting to talk about you know, there's going to be another spike and we're going to have to revisit, you know, the mandates again. And I'm, I'm going to say to people, never again. The numbers don't lie. The numbers made it very, very clear that these mandates and lockdowns were worse for your health than, uh, than if you just go about living your life and realizing, hey, there's a, there's a virus out there that uh, can be treated with ivermectin and some other therapeutics, and to just learn to live with these bad things in our environment, just like we've been living with the pneumonia and flu and, and all these other th diseases, we can learn to live with COVID too. It, it, you know, it's a bioweapon though. It's the only difference. It was, it was tailor-made to be a bioweapon out of Wuhan. In any case, that brings us to the end of our show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show. And be sure to check out my Substack. I post this podcast and a write-up and source information on the Substack over at scottadamshow.substack.com. As well, go to magapack.org and make a donation if you'd like. It's a 501c3 supporting America First policies. And be sure to use Red State as your MyPillow code over at MyPillow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Take a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to there.